Boxing ain't who you know. Boxing is what you know. And most people don't know shit. Hi, this is Chris Baldwin, a.k.a. Fight Goddess with Skull Combat Sports Equipment, and you are listening to Eddie Goldman with No Holds Barred. Hi, my name is Melissa Smith from GirlBoxing.org, and I'm listening to No Holds Barred with Eddie Goldman. Once again, this is Eddie Goldman on No Holds Barred. On this edition of the show, we once again spoke with our colleagues Chris Baldwin of The War Room and Melissa Smith of Girl Boxing on The War Room. A video of this discussion has also been posted on the War Sports YouTube page. We spoke with him Monday, December 27th. It's been a long, hard, interesting year for boxing. We wrapped some of it up with our first annual You Don't Know Shit About Boxing Awards 2021 to find out the winner of the worst promoter, worst boxing commission, worst corner advice, worst promotion of an elite fighter, epic Ali genealogy fail, and more. All this is part of our in-depth coverage of the corrupt world of boxing and sports governance in general. Ding, ding, ding. What's up, fight fans from around the globe? Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of The War Room. I am your fight goddess, Chris Baldwin, here with my co-host and my girl, women's, uh, my girl, Melissa Smith. She is a women's boxing historian and Mr. Eddie Goldman. He is the conscience of combat sports and an award-winning sports journalist. Now, The War Room is all about sports justice. Okay, and our only mission is to bring you in-depth coverage on the corrupt sport of boxing, sports governance, and bring you our expert fight analysis from our team, Eddie and Melissa, because I'm not the expert, okay? I don't know shit about boxing. Now, it is the end of the year and we have created the You Don't Know Shit About Boxing Awards. Thank you, Roger Mayweather, for that line because we want to blast out those in the sport of boxing. And I'm talking people high up in the sport of boxing who don't know shit about boxing. But first, if you care about independent journalism, you want to support this channel, show your support by hitting that like button and follow and subscribe us on to us on YouTube. All right, so we're gonna get this party started. Now listen, the first You Don't Know Shit About Boxing Award, we as a collective have come together to vote for the worst promoter of the year, Triller Trash Promotions, who had the audacity to get Holyfield in a ring and embarrass the sport of boxing with that matchup. So I'm going to let Eddie talk to you guys about, first of all, he was the one that nominated Triller Trash, and we just all voted on that. So Eddie, tell the people, give us that breakdown on on. How did Evander Holyfield come out of retirement to fight some MMA dude? Oh, there was a, there was a whole mess that went on, replacement fighters and uh, 
all of that that's not even worth uh, going yeah, into. Right. But they, they needed a replacement and they were going to do it in uh, California and the Calif and they're going to put Vitor Belfort, who I don't think he's fighting in MMA anymore, but he was, although he was a jiu-jitsu guy trained by Carlson Gracie, he was known more as a, as a striker. And he talked, he, he might do boxing, which I don't know if he, how much boxing he actually ever did, but as an MMA fighter, he was more renowned for his, his striking it within MMA rules and techniques. He was a beast. At, at, in the past, yes, but you know he was also beaten many years ago by uh, Randy Couture, who used dirty boxing and wrestling to defeat him. I think it was like '97 when Wood Belfort was was really in his prime. But anyway, so Triller is doing all these so-called legends fights, and they needed a replacement, and they got Holyfield. So. They were going to do it in California. And Holyfield, if you listen to him talk, it, it's really sad because he's he's so hard to understand. He's slurring his words. He was a great fighter. If you're not familiar with him, just look up, particularly the the first fight that he had with with Mike Tyson, the tri the trilogy he had with Riddick Bowe. This is back in the 90s. He had a, a number of really great fights, and he continued fighting on. He also had some other good fights later, you know, in later years. But now he's 58 years old. He should not be in a ring. And the California... Hold on, Eddie. Hold on, Eddie. So uh, your, your audio just broke up. He tried to get licensed in the state of California, and his license was denied, correct? Yes. That's one I'm thing I'm trouble, say, by the way. Thank you. And the, other, and the other thing about it was, you know, Oscar De La Hoya was originally going to fight on that card and he dropped out. And then after that, they were scrambling and said, oh, Holyfield will do it. And California said, no, ain't happening. Right. Right. Yeah. The that's reason you have in trouble hearing me, it says my internet connection is unstable. And that's because of the piece of shit spectrum ISP. <laughs> So they get worse ISP, uh, Spectrum gets worse ISP. It, it, it could, at least in, in, in my area, but others are just too expensive. And I'm looking into wireless internet, whether that's a practicality, but that's a whole other issue. So right. anyway, California nixed the show. They said, we will not license Holyfield. So they moved it to Florida, which is a very compliant commission. And again, Belfort was not really a boxer. And even in boxing, he moves more like an MMA stand-up fighter. He just, you know, it was it was no contest. And the, the referee, fortunately, stopped the fight before Holyfield got too damaged. But it was an, it was an absolute, complete, absolute disgrace. If these two fought in boxing in the 1990s, when they were both in their prime, you would have had the same length of fight, but the, the verdict would have been reversed. That Holyfield would have taken out Belfort in one round, and it wouldn't even have been close. So so they get they get the worst promotion for that. And also for what they did with the George Campos Jr. Teofimo Lopez fight. 
they had signed and won the purse bid to promote the in 2021 the 2020 fighter of the year Tiafimo Lopez in a mandatory defense against George Campbell and it was supposed to Hold on, Eddie, your audio broke up again. So Lopez was scheduled, they were supposed to fight, Lopez was the fighter of the year in 2020. Right, and he had his, and he unified these belts and he had a mandatory defense against Cambosis and Trilitra over matchroom boxing and top rank, which is supposed to be Lopez's promoter. So it was supposed to be in June, and then it kept getting, they realized it was conflicting with another fight. And then uh, Lopez got COVID, which is, is on him. And, okay. and it kept getting postponed. And then they wanted mm -hmm. to move it to Australia, where Cambosis is from. And Lopez said, no, it was just a whole long bunch of crap. So this went on for months and months and months. They they screwed this whole thing up. And then when the fight happens, of course, Cambosis drops Lopez in the first round and wins a decision and dethrones him. So they screwed the whole thing up and with the with the the reigning fighter of the year. Although he won't be fighter of the year for no, 21. But all. still to to do that is just beyond belief. So now they're just going back to to crap fights and bringing in MMA guys, boxing, and so all kinds of spectacle stuff. And I don't think any top-level active boxers are going to want to have much to do yeah, with all this. About, that's crazy. This is like influencer. Uh, it's at a stage for influencers, right? Because the, the YouTube boys, that's all they are. I mean, they're, they're building a record, a professional boxing record, putting on bullshit. It's just, it's fascinating to watch. But people have to participate. The Florida Athletic Commission, which Eddie mentioned, gets the worst commission of the year because of that very reason. They allow Triller Trash to come in, throw them some money, and they say, okay, yeah, we'll license uh, Mr. Holyfield when they know good and damn well he should not be licensed, especially if the state of California did not license him. Right? You right. know, if the state of California didn't give you a license, there's some shit going on with you. Yeah, you're talking about a 58-year-old man who's slurring his words. Right. Just basic interviews. Exactly. And, and, and blessedly, there was a, at least a decent ref in the ring that said, okay, haul, haul, haul. You right. know, we're done. Exactly. Because he but, knew. he knew This for, forum shopping, it's called. Right. It should be exactly. outlawed. Where one commission says, no, you can't have this fight. And they go find a more compliant commission mm -hmm. to hold the fight. And that goes back to the idiotic governance or lack of governance that you have in the, in the sport of boxing. Second Absolutely. Award for worst commission, since it really could have been about a million of these. But to whatever it's called, the Middle East or the Dubai Commission, whatever they decide to call it, assuming it, it actually exists, they let in the uh, Pro Bellum debut card in Dubai a cruiserweight named Julio Cesar Calameno, who had been knocked five weeks prior in another fight, 
they let this guy fight the Olympic super heavyweight oh gold medalist, Bakadir Jalalov, who's a big guy, about 250 pounds in official pro fights, undefeated. Now, granted, he's, he's not too big for the pro heavyweight, Jalalov. He is a big guy, but why did they sanction this fight? And it literally was over in one punch. One punch from Jalalov, Kalamania went down, and that was the end of the fight. Why? Why was this? Why was this sanctioned? This, this again is something that just shows the lack of universal governance. And, and interestingly enough, there's starting to be some people talking about the need for universal uh, regulation. Mm-hmm. And even one of the executives at Matchroom Boxing uh, gave an interview on a sports law podcast and they asked him, what's the main thing you want to change in boxing? He said, we need to have common regulation, universal regulation, because every place is different. And with the growth of, of boxing in a lot of countries, like, uh, you know, a monarchy like Dubai, the United Arab Emirates, you're not going to have, you don't have independent governmental organizations. It's a monarchy. That's what they control it. It's not any thinking close to a democracy or a republic and you can have more and more of these more of these kind of situations happening. Right. Yeah, but you you also have it look, you know, we we've talked about this before, that you know, the tragic death of Jeanette Zacaria Zapata, this young woman from Mexico who had has suffered two really serious KOs in her previous two fights before coming to Montreal to fight on a, on a card against a much more experienced female fighter. And she got hit, went down, and, and subsequently passed away from a brain injury. But the point there was she had been knocked out. And, you know, but by bringing her in from Mexico to Canada, Everybody just says, oh, well, oh, gee, we didn't know. We didn't know she was, you know, had a bad KO. Well, you know, look at box rep. So where is this responsibility? That's the question. Is well, it? Well, the matchmaker's responsibility. And then the, right, then the matchmaker. But the promoter. Pro, promoter has to. And work. how does she get licensed in Montreal? Right. You know, exactly. so it's not exactly. just Dubai. How does she get a license in Montreal having suffered a KO loss, her second in a row? So those are the kinds of questions that have to you know we have to keep bringing up and and as eddie said you know it's 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 really heartening to hear that a group like matchroom which is starting to sponsor more fights and and even ended up winning the the purse bid for the uh teofilo lopez george gambosis fight and and put it on um and and did a reasonably decent job in terms of broadcasting it if if more people in the business start to bring this up, maybe there will be some action. But meanwhile, you know, Eddie Hearn's in Dubai making deals. So what's going to happen? Right. That's Eddie, my Eddie, question. We lost Eddie there because Spectrum's we lost ISP. Our Eddie. <laughs> yeah, we lost our Eddie because Spectrum's ISP sucks. That's okay. He'll tune back in in a minute. But um, that just leaves me to say that GYM Promotions, which allowed Jessica on their card gets a close second to me in terms of worst promoter because someone actually died on their show, right? Well, yeah, absolutely. But you you also had the questionable choice of, a, of an opponent, which we also talked about, 
for uh, Maria uh, Dakar for her super, for her IBF super middleweight uh, bout last week, you know, her, that fighter had no business in the ring at a championship level. So it's sort of like, Oh, she was was rated by IBF. Um, So, you know, where, where do you go with that? Right. Where you have, Really, there's there's no other women that could have been having that kind of fight. Um, yeah, on paper she was nine and zero, but look at her record. Look who she fought. Look how she fought. And one of her opponents was Jeanette Sicaria Zapata, mm. and had knocked her out. That was the previous fight. So I, again, real really questionable. And and I think you know promoters and matchmakers have to do a better job it's not as if there are only three women fighters in the world at super middleweight exactly or you know five lightweight fighters or five heavyweight fighters there's a heck of a lot of them and yeah we get this notion that you take a prospect you want to build up their uh, their record, their record right. give them some ko wins but you know there's a exactly. there's an opponent and there's an opponent there's an opponent that makes sense where the person isn't going to end up dying on their shift, you know, right. or being really seriously injured versus um, a reasonable opponent where you're testing your, your, mm-hmm. your prospect out, or you, you're trying to give that person maybe uh, a, a little, little test, bit of an right. edge to right. win, but it's right. fair. Right. And th- that's the issue here is where's the equity, where's the fairness and where is where, where are those in power actually protecting and looking out for the interests of the fighters themselves? And that is what we don't see. No right. protection and, at all. No protection. But I want to say in terms of universal policies, like if my fighter got suspended, like from, from the commission in California, they could not go into another state and fight. Why? Because on the, when the matchmaker pulls the facts wrecks, they have a a fax record, your fight wrecks thing, they say that you've been suspended and they can't book you. So if a fighter has that, how come these commissions aren't, you know, if you guys can respect that from another commission, how come you're not doing it for all other aspects of the business? That's what I, that's my issue. Yeah. Or, or, or where you're dealing with cross border, you know, it's one thing, but as we just pointed out, you know, you have a commission that turned down a license and turned down a fight, and then another commission just went ahead and said, sure. Yeah. There's see, that's different going. than being suspended. Than like, being like suspended. A, right. Yeah, absolutely right. right. But, you know, in terms of that kind of transparency of, of decision-making, how do we have any uh, sense of, of being able to uh, support what commissions do or in any sense, uh, have any sense of their integrity, if that kind of stuff is going on. Right. So how do we trust Florida as a commission? If no, we don't trust Florida as a commission. <laughs> we don't. So, I've so, seen well, some of their the fights. I've been to Florida to a couple club shows. My fighters were mm-hmm. on. No, 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 no. We don't trust them at all. All right. Yeah, so, so look. I'm back. Can you hear me? Yes, yep. we can hear you now. Hey, welcome back. Up. Well, the, the, the internet completely went down, fuck spectrum. So I'm on my phone uh, over T-Mobile. Their 4G LTE is better than the, the it sounds better. spectrum. Yeah, broad. it does. Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. So look, we're going to move on to worst corner advice for 2021. We had a few 
nominations, but I had to nominate Tio Fimo Lopez Sr. for going out there and telling his son he was doing a great job when that motherfucker was getting knocked on his ass, hit with a right hand every other minute. So that I think I think you guys should agree with me on that one. Or oh, who do you guys who or who's a close second, Eddie? Who did you say? Well, I gave it to uh, Anthony Joshua's corner as his second. I agree with you on first. I gave it to his corner when he's losing uh, to, to Usyk, telling him he's doing brilliant and just no no sense of urgency. Right. I mean, we've all heard it. A, it's almost a cliche a million times when you see a fighter is losing in, in the latter stages of the fight. The corner will say, you got to go out there. You need the knockout. This is what you train for all your life, right. you know, all this stuff. All right, it's kind of cliched, but it's an attempt to to get the juices flowing. Right. And it was just calm, yeah, you know, go out, throw your jab. Work behind the jab. Yeah, and I think Joshua's <laughs> now realized that it's not clear who's going to be in his corner for the next fight with Usyk, which presumably will be in the spring of 2022. Oh, my goodness. Who you think? I think Usyk's going to win that He's going to keep McCracken and add somebody else or dump McCracken. He's been going around to different trainers. Is he just trying to get advice? Everybody was probably telling him the same thing. You're a huge, strong guy. You had an advantage in strength and size and reach and height. Use all that. Those are your advantages. This guy is an absolute master boxer. Don't try to outbox him, which is what he said he did. And, and obviously he failed to do that from the, ver from the very first punch thrown in the opening seconds of, of the first round. So I don't see AJ beating him again. I just don't. Even I don't care what kind of training he does. I just think he's that sometimes when a fighter has lost like that, there's just something, but we'll see, you know, maybe he's gotten a little, uh, you know, yeah, it, you know, we came performance back to the, hypnosis. Yeah. Or something for the second Ruiz fight, you know, I mean, and what, and the way he won that fight was precisely fighting it from the outside and fighting tall, you know? So we'll see whether, I mean, I just wonder, does he even want it anymore? I guess I'm, right. I'm sure he does. He's not hungry. He's he not hungry. hungry. Is he hungry? That's my question. We're going to find out the answers to these questions. I think he has to be really pissed at himself that he lost a fight that he thought he could he could that win. He should it's, have won. Yeah. That he yeah. should have won. He should. Well, yeah. Should have won the first Ruiz fight, but he got over aggressive and overconfident. Got you know, caught. but it happens in heavyweight boxing. This is something different. Everybody knew going in what a what a great tactician and technician Usyk is and he played right into his hands mm -hmm. I mean it's an hour I, I try to trace it back maybe to the 1920s you know you, you know you fight a boxer and you box a fighter or something like that I don't know who said it first but it's, people should know this stuff Ronnie Shield made a comment in an interview where he said it was, he was surprised at how many things Joshua didn't know and right. maybe being with that amateur bunch up in Sheffield, maybe the time has come for him, as we said before, to, to move on. So we'll see what he actually does. I hope he does get a new coach because I'd like to see a new AJ. Yeah, I would ring. too. I, 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 you know, he's still young enough. He, he, yeah. he, he has capacity. So it really would be fun to see him come in a little more aggressive, a little more of a, 
fighting style that um, a little, frankly, more of a pro style, you know, that's, yeah. he still sometimes looks like an amateur to me. I don't know. Oh, All right. Well, look, let's move on to worst ring announcers. And then we're going to do worst ring. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I, I can't think of a girl, guy's name that I just thought sucks, but he sits with um, he sits with uh, Sergio Lopez. I mean Sergio the Snake. Oh, the uh, with Sergio Mora. Yeah, he sits with Sergio. I just think can't Brian Keller. Maybe that's his, is that his name, Brian Keller? Maybe I think that's him. But to me, well, he's like one of the worst guys. Yeah, he's on the zone. That's it. He's on the zone. He just just drives me nuts sometimes. But anyway, um, so who do you guys want to give the you don't know shit about boxing award to at, for ringside announcing? Melissa? You mean um, being uh, during the fight? Yeah, worst, yeah the worst the ringside announcing. I, you know, I, I, I hate the Showtime team. That Break it down. MMA Break guy. It down. Oh, God. The MMA guy just drives me crazy. And he shouts and screams. I don't even want to remember his name. That's how much I dislike right, listening to him. Right, because it sounds like an MMA fight when I listen to him. You know, and he's like, oh, look, and it's going into the next frame. And give me a break. <laughs> just, oh. Yeah. So I, I, I have not been very happy with Showtime with their uh, announcing the way they announce female, just in general, the way they announce uh, women's boxing is as if they never heard of the sport before. Every time they do a, a women's show, which lately has been fairly infrequent, except for, you know, the clown shows with um, Amanda Serrano. Right. And, you know, it's, they really, really emphasize that, uh, oh, women's boxing, you know, it's only two minute rounds as if it's the fault of the boxers that they're fighting for two minutes. I mean, we can go into a long, long discussion on why that is and how long that's been going on and why you have certain, you know, groups like WBC uh, as a sanctioning body that refuses to sanction a fight that's more than two minutes. Um, so what what are they supposed to do? And what I exactly. don't appreciate is a team like Showtime that should frankly know better is is coming out with that kind of groan. Oh, it's only two minutes. Just a reminder. It's an only. It's only two minutes, as if it was the fault of the fighters. It's not. Right. If you want to compete for a WBC belt, well, hello, that's it. You know, th that's where you are. And yeah, like in New York State, if, you, if you're fighting at, at Madison Square Garden, you have the right to have a three-minute round. But you're not going to get a, if you're going for a belt, you're not going to be able to fight. Plus, they're not going to pay you. So get real with the reasons is all I want to say. And what I find is when it comes to women's boxing, Showtime in particular has been particularly bad. Yeah, and that's because they don't have people like you sitting ringside giving us that boxing history. You know what I mean? They got people that don't know shit about women's boxing. Yeah, I talking mean, about do, women's boxing. Yeah, and and you even I'm, talked you know, about them not even mentioning Layla Ali while well, they're talking about the late the Ali legacy. How can you well, not talk I'll about Layla Ali? Well, I'll sneak in my I'll sneak in my little my little thing there, which is you know 
what I like to call the Alley Genealogy Fail Award, which right. I'm giving to ESPN Boxing and Top Rank for refusing to acknowledge the fact that Layla Ali is Muhammad Ali's daughter. And hello, she's second generation of that family to be inaugurated into the International Boxing Hall of Fame. Right. So there you go. Never Put say a word. respect on her name. She needs some respect. That's and like, right. Yeah, okay, you're, you're sitting here. They're, they're sitting there promoting Nico Ali Walsh as sort of the second coming. Well, there already was a second coming. This is the third generation. So where are you? She was extremely, hugely important to boxing, never mind women's boxing right. or anything else. She put women's boxing on the map in a way that very few women have been able to. Even Christy Martin That's right. could not get the crossover appeal that Layla Ali had. Plus, she sparked interest in the sport itself at a time in you know, the early aughts when boxing was really right. elevated issues, the game. You know, so yeah. have some respect. And like, yeah, okay, she didn't work for top ranks. So what? So where are you, ESPN? You're so in the deep pockets of, uh, of top rank because they're the ones that have a little deal with, with, with ESPN to put their fights on that you can't even mention the fact that Layla Ali is an Ali and give her the respect she is due. I so that, that's my little two cents on that's, announcing. That's, well, that's, right. why I put, that's why I put uh, Joe Tessator and Mark Kriegel in particular on ESPN at the, the top of this, that list, because yep. the analysis they just give is just so biased and so horrible in terms of just everything they do, so top-rank oriented. They sound more like infomercial-type people than, than sports announcers do. And, and PBC's done that also, where they will list the top fighters at certain weights and you know leave out Terrence Crawford, or welterweight, and other top fighters who are not PBC fighters. So to me, they're all, they're all pretty horrible. I kind of like uh, Mike Costello, who was formerly with the BBC and is now with the zone. I, I like his announcing, but all of it is just, uh, it's better. A lot of it's better with the sound off. And you know who I like? Uh, Corey Erdman. He's great. He does sort of off fights for ESPN. You know, he, he's, he's can, out of Canada. He's, he's based in Toronto. He travels all around and, you know, it's just, uh, just the facts. He, he loves boxing and and really appreciates the nuances of the sport and when he's announcing a fight it's fair he's not sitting there only talking about the pbc fighter or the top ranked fighter he's giving a balanced assessment of what he sees and i'd love to see more of him so you know in the converse to don't know shit about boxing he actually does know a lot about boxing and ESPN and all the other uh, big outfits out there would do well to listen to how he announces fights and look to kind of emulate what he's doing in the ring because he gives fairness, history, context, and just a straight, just the facts kind of laid back style, which is really appreciated. Very cool. All right, we're going to move on to the biggest ripoff in boxing award. Goes to Eddie. I'm gonna let you take this one. Pay per view, <laughs> Eddie, <laughs> and all of them. 
any and all pay-per-views. You hear that, Showtime Boxing, Steven Espinosa, you know I talk to you all the time on here. The pay-per-view model should be destroyed completely. Destroyed okay. completely. It, it, it killed HBO Boxing, which is around for such a long time. On one of the, on one of the fights, I think it was, I forget which one, but they, they were talking about an old Ali fight from the 80s that had might have been on the, on Fox they were talking about this they had 43 million people watching it now maybe it was in the 70s actually the 70s they were talking about now granted you you didn't have as many uh channels then a lot of people still didn't have cable uh you didn't have the internet and streaming you didn't have as many choices but but it was on they found the economics to put a lot of those, not all of them. There was closed circuit TV then back in those days. You have to go to a, a movie theater or a bar to see some of the major fights. But by putting all this stuff behind a paywall, they have generations of people who have never seen top-level boxing live. And now even with the pandemic, it's harder to go to a bar or a restaurant to watch these fights. I used to do that at some point in these these bars were packed with people watching a lot of these fights, say, in, in the 90s and, and other years. It's much harder to do that today. It and is. And, and I'm just going to interject, Eddie, that some bars won't even carry fights. They don't even care. They would, they'll carry UFC. They'll carry other sports, but they won't even bother with a pay-per-view boxing match anymore. Uh-huh. You can't find it. You, you get more, you get richer, more white patrons coming in with uh, something like the UFC. Yep. And so that's what, that's what they go after. That is. And the UFC rarely cancels events too, because in boxing, if the, if the top marquee fighter, one of the main event fighters gets injured at something, they have to cancel the event or something happens as we talked about with the uh, Tifimo Lopez, George Cambosis fight. Whereas in, in the UFC, they just put somebody else in. Yeah, listen, but, that happened to Clarissa Shields. She was supposed to debut on the boxer card, and the top of the card uh, had an injury. And rather than going without with that, losing that main event, they just canceled the whole card till January, February. So, you know, and people that was, that still, a lot of people are still tight, very tight with the money. Mm-hmm. The costs for cable and satellite and, and even just internet are skyrocketing. And you now you're asking them to pay the equivalent of a month's worth of high-speed internet to watch one fight show, right? which sometimes is going to be rerun the next week anyway. So how important is it to you that you have to see that live? And it becomes... A, a, a vicious cycle where fewer people watch these people that brings in a smaller audience that brings in fewer revenues. So to pay for the big fights, you go more and more to pay-per-view and you destroy the sport. I said, been saying this for years. People didn't believe me when I was saying this many years ago, when I wrote about it, when HBO was, was going out of HBO boxing was going out of business. That was one thing. And now where are we? We're even worse off 
than a few years ago when HBO Boxing was going out of business. And in DAZN, could talk about how great they're doing. I'll tell you, they don't release numbers in the United States because it has to be a relatively small number of people watching their boxing cards. They're doing better in Europe with some of the, uh, where they get the local European football leagues and starting with getting the major rights. But in the U.S., they don't have any of the rights to the to show the, the major sports, and it doesn't look like they're going to be able to do so anytime soon. So, And what did they do? They doubled their monthly price in the middle of a pandemic last year. So I don't think that's doing as well, so at least in the U.S., that they want you to think. I don't know how it's doing in the U.K., think. The price, the monthly price is much cheaper in the UK. There are a lot more UK fights on the zone. They, I don't know what the numbers are. Again, they don't they don't release them. Yeah, they yeah. don't. But meanwhile, you know, they, they have made their deal with Golden Boy promotions. So they're doing their fights exclusively uh, on the zone. So you and of course, they're showing the British fights in the United States, not getting a lot of traction for them. But the other thing, though, is Eddie Hearn, you know, at Matchroom has talked about, well, um, you know, we'll probably go to a PPV model at some point for certain fights. And that kind of defeated the whole purpose of what DAZN was supposed to be, which was an inexpensive monthly subscription. Right. And you got everything. And for a while, yeah, you got all these Canelo fights. But now, you know, Canelo's last fight was not on DAZN. It was pay-per-view for a lot of money and, um, you know, didn't make the numbers it should have. So... I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Um, and then you have, you know, ESPN now, when they're doing a lot of their fight cards, they're just putting it on their streaming platform. They're not even putting it on their on their cable outlets, you know, uh, which also doesn't make any sense. So you have fights, fight cards that are just absolutely invisible unless you happen to have the app and you're wow. paying for that. Wow. Um, so it, it, it makes no sense. Plus, then they have their own pay-per-view, which is also very expensive for their stuff. Right. It, it's unclear. Eddie Hearn said that they were going to not be on regular DAZN. There'll be a DAZN pay-per-view for the Usyk-Joshua rematch. But it was unclear if he was talking about just the UK or, or worldwide. Because if they do that fight in the UK or perhaps the Middle East, it'll be on in, in an afternoon in the United States. So it'll get really next to nothing on uh, on pay-per-view here. So that's unclear, but the UK would be obviously the biggest market for that. And if they get the rights to Dillian White's next fight, they're going to put that on uh, pay-per-view, whether it's with uh, Fury or, or somebody else, that might end up being on, on a pay-per-view there. So in the beginning... They had all those funny uh, commercials, which you could still find on YouTube about them upending the pay-per-view model. And, you know, it's like most boxing things. It was a lot of talk, and a lot of crap. Yeah. And yeah. if they, you know, if they go forward with the Katie Taylor, Amanda Serrano fight at Madison Square Garden in the spring, if that actually comes to pass, is that going to be pay-per-view or are they going to put that on regular zone in the U.S.? It Don't better be on the zone. Um, you know, in, in UK, it'll be in the middle of the night. So what if they have it at Madison Square Garden? It's going to be, you know, two, three o'clock in the morning. 
So are they going to have that be pay-per-view? Right. Don't know the answer. But given that this is going to be, uh, you know, I mean, if, if, it, if it comes to pass, it'll be uh, the highest purse paid to women fighters that I know of, uh, even probably surpassing Regina Halma. Um, so how, you know, how is he going to make his money? He's going to have the, the full, uh, uh, I think they're talking about putting it in the big, in, in the big room at Madison Square Garden. So uh, it's going to be an interesting challenge to see how that plays out in 2022. All right. Um, well, look, this is going to bring us to, now this is not really a, you don't know shit about boxing award, but this is my personal uh, award that I want to give to worst fighter of the year in 2021 goes to Rolando Roley Romero, who had to be kicked off of the Davis card because his fight with uh, Tank Davis, because he was accused of sexually assaulting a young lady in Las Vegas. Turns out the man has a, a pattern of behavior. He'll take a young lady out and then try to force himself on her after they've gone and hung out or whatever. So now there's five women that have come forward to accuse Rolando Rowley Romero of sexual assault. So in that same breath, let me just say that Tank Davis is no better because I saw a video shortly after I saw this on Twitter about Rowley of Tank Davis snatching his girlfriend up by the collar at a public event and, and forcing her outside. Like, so uh, in the, you know, we, we are like, I just don't get a man that has a license to fight, putting his hand on any woman that he's dating, uh, seen or whatever, anybody. You guys have licensed hands to kill people. You should not be fucking putting your hands on anybody. And domestic violence is domestic violence. So, if these guys are out here doing that, they are the worst human beings, one of the worst human beings on the planet on top of being the worst fighter in 2021 for me. So that's all I got to say about that. You, got, you guys got any more awards you want to give out? Yeah, I, got, I got a couple, uh, some boxing and just some general sports one. I'll try to go through them quickly. Okay. Worst promotion of an elite fighter. Goes to top rank. Their continuing failure to promote properly. Terrence Crawford, who deserves to be a mainstream star by now. There's a discussion among some very knowledgeable boxing people about who is the top pound, the mythical pound for pound fighter today. Is it Canelo? What is a spectacular 12 months, 4 0, defeating all these undefeated fighters, unifying the belts at 168 and all of this, or Terrence Crawford. And even if you say, well, Canelo should be number one, Crawford would be 1A or number two, certainly in the discussion. Canelo is a mainstream star. Terrence Crawford is not. And that primarily falls on top rank, which did nothing to promote this guy. They, they did the usual things. Once in a while, they'd send out a press release. They'd hold a, a Zoom call with some media people. They did nothing to really get this guy out. They hate a lot of his fights, as you said, either on uh, 
pay-per-views if you watched or ESPN Plus. And the guy, to me, has been the best welterweight fighter in the world for a while. It's clear Errol Spence did not really particularly want to fight him because it'll be his his toughest fight, a fight that everybody has been calling for for a couple of years now, except except PBC and, and Errol Spence. And Spence supposedly is going to fight Ugas now and you know deal with all this unifying belts and all this kind of crap. So that that's that's what I give to Top Rank on it. And they have a particularly bad record with black fighters. So we'll see what Crawford does now that his his contract has expired with Top Rank. Uh, moving on, the worst super spreader event goes to the 2020 Tokyo Olympics, which Cheers were held in 2021, which is an utter disgrace that they did it. And now I'm reading that there's even uh, COVID outbreaks with little information is seeping out of China for the Winter Olympics, the 2022 uh, Genocide Olympics going on in Beijing. Also, the most fascist, racist, and disgusting combat sports organization in the world that goes to the so-called UFC, which has won that award every year since 2001, since the Fertitas took it, took it over. And I, I commented that this gang makes boxing look civil. And finally, the COVIDiot Wrestlers Award goes to the so-called Athletes for Medical Freedom, a group of wrestlers, top elite level wrestlers, including Olympic gold medalists, world champions, national champions, and who college educated. And these people oppose mask and vaccine mandates. Idiots. Idiots. And this is the this is one of the reasons that wrestling in the United States remains so marginalized that you have just a bunch of morons running the sport and, and killing the sport. Internationally is a different different set of problems too, but they get the COVID wrestlers award to athletes for medical freedom. So yeah. cool. down, down. I, I, I have one more, which is the sort of shame on you award, which goes to Aiba, you know, oh, yeah, the, absolutely. Internet, you know, here you got uh, the organization that is supposed to represent elite amateur athletes and they're fixing fights. I mean, there yep. you go. Just shame on you. That's right. Shame I'm, on I'm, you. I'm, great. I'm grading them an incomplete this year for what they've done. Because mm. formally, they've enacted a whole bunch of reforms. They, I mean, the minor thing is they changed their name to IBA, even though there's a small professional outfit. They're also the International Boxing Association. They've set up a boxing integrity unit. They claim they're going to get rid of the old guard. Uh, they brought in Professor Richard McLaren, who's well noted for dealing with the, the Russian state-sponsored doping mess. Uh, Professor Ulrich Haas of the University of Zurich to help all these governance reforms. And on paper, they seem to do a good job. We're going to see what they do in the real world. And I don't know. When I, I guess we're not going to play it today. But when I got 
to ask a question of the president of IBA, Umar Kremlev, of about how are you going to guarantee this? Because Professor McLaren's report said the people are the problem. And I just found the answers kind of generalized. I found watching their Congress, which is on YouTube, you could still watch it. It just seemed to, everything seemed to pass too easily. There was very little debate over these proposals. And this was an organization, according to Professor McLaren's report, up to just a few months ago, was still fixing fights at their, at their international events. And now everybody's on board with these reforms. It just seemed to happen a little too easily. And, you, you know, this is supposed to be a Congress. And so on all these proposals, they all passed overwhelmingly. And you didn't hear any opposition, amendments, discussion, whatever that you get in Democratic Congress. So there was that bureaucratic and autocratic air to it. And it's too early to tell what exactly that signifies. So we'll find out. That's why I give them an incomplete. They're going to have to, you know, shit will get off the pot in 2022 right. when they change around their, their board of directors. So we'll see what they do. All right. Well, you got anything you want to add to that, Melissa? No, I, I you know, I, I, I guess I, I give them the fail because Epic even though fail. on the one hand, they, uh, they were, they have engaged to take a look at their integrity issues and so on. But, you know, part of that is because they lost the right to even represent boxing at the Olympics. So um, how much is this internal? How much is this imposed? Um, so I, I, and the fact that this was still going on, you know, this year is why I, I went that way. I, I get your point, Eddie. And yeah, we really hope that the governance that they're going to put in is really going to have an effect, but Hey, they had great rules and regulations before on paper. It's uh, so what, whether they have the will to really move forward with that. And then there are just issues with Gazprom money uh, still funding so much of their organization and what that's going to look like in 2022. So um, let's just see where this goes, but it's certainly an important story for us to keep on top of, because of the risk to the Olympics and the Olympic movement of having boxing at all. And at this point, it's on the chopping block for 2028, 2024. It's supposed to be there, but who knows? It, yeah. it, it can still be a lost cause. All right. Well, look, folks, that's all we have for you guys today. We are going to wrap this. You don't know shit about boxing awards segment up. And we look forward to seeing you guys in the new year. We want to wish you all a happy and prosperous new happy year. Happy new year. Happy new year. Happy new year. <laughs> the last show of 2021. We thank everybody for tuning in. It's been awesome. You know, we're just moving and growing and trying to work it out as we go along. So thanks for sticking with us and tuning in. Please subscribe. Now, uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Angry Afro Radio and I'm on Instagram at La Fight Goddess and check me out. I have a new fitness app dropping soon called fightgoddessfitness.com. So you guys check that out soon. Melissa, tell the people where they can find you. 
All right. They can find me on Twitter and Instagram uh, at Girl Boxing Now, and they can find me on my website at girlboxing.org. And just want to thank everyone for, you know, tuning in and listening to us and, and getting with, you know, how we're trying to develop this as a construct and also just wishing everyone all the blessings of a, of a new year and, and hoping that, you know, COVID aside that right. everything works out for you and your families and your friends. That's right. All right, Eddie, let us you know can, where we can find you. You could find me on social media, on Twitter at NHB news. The, the other sites I'm on are, I'm not posting new stuff. So go to Twitter, my website, eddiegoldman.com. I have a Patreon site. I just have a new article up that I just posted about your Elvis Gomez, La Jolla, the jewel. And is he going to be the next jewel of boxing? So subscribe to that at patreon.com slash Eddie Goldman. I still have that red bubble stuff, selling our schmatas and stuff like that on there. And I'm working on another a non-sports podcast. So when that is up, we'll let everybody know about that because there's not really much to report other right than on. planning something right. like that so uh, th- those it. are the those are the main places and and stay safe everybody have a happy and healthy new year live long and prosper uh, peace and long life to all you trekkies out there <laughs> and uh, every and everybody from all the all the planets and galaxies around the world that are right. that are tuning in and Stay safe, protect yourself at all times, wear a mask, get every jab that you can get, which is three. And in some places, it's starting to give the fourth jab out there, too. So that's soon. So keep on doing that. Get your flu shot. Listen and learn about science. And don't go with the conspiracy theorists and the various fascists who want us all dead. So, that's right. That's, that's right. Well, that's all. Check us out at warsports.com, W A A R sports.com. We will see you next time. Peace, love, and push ups. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the show. Thanks for listening. If you want to follow my site, my blog, the easiest way is go to eddiegoldman.com. For No Holds Barred, this has been Eddie Goldman.